and welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting on episode 24 of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. Oh, this is an interesting little development. Envy has a uh, prisoner, so it would seem. Okay, so Marco isn't dead. You know, I mentioned it earlier, but I... I seem to think that we were led to believe that he was dead. I mean, obviously he's not, and the homunculi regard him as very important for their fell purpose. Alright. So it seems like Marco's pretty clued in on what they want to do, in a sense, you know. They want to make a country-wide transmutation circle on Amestris to turn everyone into a giant philosopher's stone. You know, that's, uh... That's what, tantamount to genocide? Wiping out an entire country? You know, one has to wonder that if Marco has figured this out, is that the same conclusion Hughes came to that got him killed? I have to imagine it was something to that effect. So the issue here is that Marco is a pretty good man, you know. The homunculi are sort of preying on that to continue to hold him hostage. You know, he could resist, but he would only do so at the cost of the village where he had lived, and he's unwilling to do that even for the greater good. Well, maybe unwilling is not the right word, but he's not willing to act out of hand.
Alright, so... The plot's getting a little thicker. You know, people are revealing more about the plot. Wrath is talking to someone. You know, not clear who it is, but... They seem to be talking with some authority, so... I don't know, they must be very important for some reason. You know, it's interesting that Wrath is sort of pontificating about how, you know, despite all his planning, they're sort of scrambling right now. You know, Gluttony's been captured, Lust is dead, Mustang is out-scheming them at every turn. Okay. So this voice here is speaking as though it's a peer of Wrath, and that they both report to Father, so it would seem to me that that's one of the remaining homunculi we have yet to see. So back with uh, the Elrics and everyone else, Gluttony is unleashing a rather horrifying new power that it's never displayed before. You know, it's sort of opened up its entire torso into this mouth, and it seems capable of carving out vast furrows. I mean, for what it's worth, Gluttony seems to be totally and absolutely berserk. You know, it's not thinking or using its powers to act strategically. You know, it's just trying to destroy everything and rampage. So, I think I mentioned it a little bit before, but that little eye in Gluttony's stomach is uh, rather reminiscent of the Gate of Truth that the Elric brothers opened when they were performing human transmutation. So, you know, one has to wonder, what precisely is the connection here between those two things? Man, with its mouth open like that, Gluttony's an even bigger monster than before, you know. It can eat Mustang's fire, so... Burning it to death repeatedly doesn't seem to be a viable strategy in this instance. You know, they're gonna have to come up with something a little bit more cunning. I suppose if they're lucky, they'll be able to sort of tire Gluttony out. So that it'll stop doing this, and then... A more conventional immolation will, uh, prove effective. Unfortunately, there's all sorts of complications going on here. Ling Yao's trying to get Lanfan out of the line of fire. It would seem as though there's something else going on, you know, out in the woods, and Mustang's injury is acting up. I guess that's what you get when you cauterize your own, uh, stab wound like that. I mean, calling it a stab wound is, uh, kind of underselling it a bit. Like, he was impaled all the way through. And I don't imagine just, like, searing that shut is going to be particularly healthy, even if it does save you in the immediate short term. Well, this is an interesting demonstration, you know. 
Gluttony is so utterly incensed that it'll fall for a, a stupid decoy like that. Man, I feel kind of sorry for the Colonel, in that he seems to be useless far more frequently than he's useful. Albeit, when he is useful, he's useful to frightening effect, but between inclement weather and recovering from his injuries, you know, he doesn't seem to have a good track record. The Ulrich brothers are almost taking an altruistic approach here. You know, they want Mustang to get clear with Lanfan and Hawkeye and uh, the coroner. While they stay behind and tackle gluttony. And Edward's sort of couching it in the idea that, you know, we're just doing our part. We're going to try and get whatever information we can considering the chain of command and the military is compromised. And that makes sense, but this really does seem uh, like a rather suicidal thing to do considering how utterly berserk Gluttony is. I mean, it's not like facing him in a calm state is a walk in the park either, but I feel like it's uh, a darn sight less dangerous than it would be otherwise. You know, I mean, seeing what Gluttony did to, like, the side of the house and all these trenches in the ground, you know, it's fair to say that, uh, that would cause some rather horrendous wounds. I mean, he is frighteningly effective. He's basically just carving out vast swaths of the forest in his rage. You know, it's interesting that despite being gluttony, he is rather, uh, wrathful. Interesting, isn't it? Because I was under the impression that these homunculi were supposed to be distillations of one particular mortal sin. So this is a really unfortunate development. You know, Gluttony has backup in the form of Envy. And Envy, while homicidal, is one of the more rational homunculi, so... You know, Lust was better at it, but I'd imagine Envy can do... a serviceable job of wrangling Gluttony. Interestingly, Envy... is intent on talking. I mean, I wouldn't uh, take anything Envy says at face value, and frankly, I would think the Elric brothers would be wise to do the same, but it's interesting that Envy doesn't want to fight, he just wants to sort of bring Gluttony back into the fold. I guess it has to do with the fact that they are viable sacrifices. Ooh. The plot's getting thick, you know, Ling Yao just sort of, um, 
just comes out with it saying, like, you're a homunculus, how many souls comprise you, monster? Unfortunately for Ling, he's far more expendable. Now, I think this is where the Elric brothers are taking it a little step too far. You know, they are so dead set on the idea that the homunculi can't do anything lasting to them, that they're going to act with impunity. And I feel like that's really tempting fate. So speaking of tempting fate here, little Selim Bradley is sort of reading an essay he wrote about his father and how great he is for class. I find it interesting that we're getting like audio and scenes of this interspersed with the Elrics and Ling Yao fighting the homunculi. You know, it's kind of sad in a way, because Bradley's family presumably don't know anything about his true nature. And... I don't know, it's unclear whether or not he truly cares for them. I'd assume he doesn't, seeing as how he's a party to this whole plot to... basically wipe out the entire country. But it's sort of like, the fact that these two scenes are interspersed, that shows... I don't know, I guess that innocent people are going to get caught up in this whole business. So this is pretty interesting here. It's clear at this point that Ling Yao is cunning enough to sort of get the upper hand on envy in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Considering how prodigiously he can transform, you know, it seems like that's no mean feat. Of course, I do find it also interesting that envy sort of faltering and stepping back created such an indentation in the ground. I don't imagine the ground was particularly soft, so that seems to imply that he really stepped hard. So meanwhile, with Gluttony and the Elric brothers, I find it interesting that Gluttony's taking on, like, the countenance of a kicked puppy, saying like, you know, I can't eat you guys, leave me alone. And even though he's got, like, this huge, distended mouth, like, he, he has this sad inflection to his voice. So this is, uh, decidedly not good. Envy pulled his usual trick of taking on the guise of a loved one, and it seems like he's managed to get himself, Ling, and Edward Elric all eaten by gluttony. So, you know, it seems like Envy knew this would be almost certainly a bad thing, but bad for precisely what reason is not yet clear, really. You know, Glenvy mentioned that he swallowed them, 
So, you know, it's not like they were just out and out destroyed, presumably, because, you know, I think the word swallow is very deliberate. Back with Lanfan, you know, the coroner's really laying into her. You know, you are basically foolish for trying to get up out of bed and do stuff. You're missing an arm, you're no use to anyone, so just lay down and try and get better. You know, as good as you can be in your state. Now, I can't say his bedside manner is particularly good, but he's at least fundamentally correct. Man, I feel bad for the doctor. He's sort of tasked with wrangling a bunch of unruly patients. You know, Lan Fan wants to help Ling Yao, and to be fair, he does need help. And Mustang wants to go out and do stuff. It's unfortunate, because, you know, they, they would both do well to rest and recover from their injuries, but... I don't know, neither is really the type of person to enjoys sitting around idly. So that's interesting. Mustang's sort of finally heeding the advice Hughes gave him in that, you know, he needs to have as many allies as possible. So it seems like Mustang might be uh, sniffing around trying to garner a group of loyalists if he were to stage a coup. You know, that's risky business. That's how you get hanged as a traitor. Alright, so he's gone and went directly to a lieutenant general. You know, that's pretty high up on the food chain. I find it interesting that they're going back to uh, the old officer. Even more interesting that he's sharing a bit of advice that, you know, Mustang had been very good in this whole game of chess until he was sure that he'd won, and then he faltered. You know, I'd be willing to bet that that's definitely an allegory to what's going on here. You know, if Mustang's sure he's going to win, then he will most certainly have the rug pulled out from under him.
Oh boy. Yeah, Mustang's working up to it that, you know, General Grumman says that this guy is a man of integrity and justice, so, you know, you could bring up a difficult matter to him, but... I mean... It's pretty clear that the command structure is infiltrated at the very highest levels, so... Who can you really trust? I mean, at the same time, you have to at least reach out to some people. But... It really seems like it's purely a matter of luck whether or not you reach, uh... Someone trustworthy. So he sort of, like, lets slip that Bradley might be a homunculus as a joke. I mean, it's a good thing that he's playing it off as a joke. Well, it seems like uh, Mustang was not lucky, and he, uh... Talk to someone who is compromised. Yeah, the change in the general's demeanor is, uh, rather stark. Man, it's even worse that Bradley's there himself. Oh dear. Yeah, Mustang really stepped into this time. Oh dear, so it seems like everyone's like right in the pit of hell. The Elric brothers are in this horrible blood-drenched cavern. Or at least Edward is. And uh, Mustang is about to get grilled by his literally evil superiors. Man, things got real dire real quick.
Alright, well that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.